Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. This is RFK Refugees Podcast. I am John Hoffman saying Ted Meyers lines. Uh, we are going to have an interview here with Robert Jonas of Quake's Epicenter in a minute. Uh, but I just wanted to talk about the Washington Spirit game uh, that I was able to attend earlier this week and cover, uh, and then sort of get you set up uh, for this interview with Robert Jonas. So uh, hopefully you had a chance to read the match, uh, read the post-game wrap-up, read the the gamers from a bunch of different uh, journalists that were there. But uh, it was a 0-0 draw, so you would assume not a lot to take out of it. Uh, but you would be wrong. It was actually a really, really, uh, it was a good game, really promising sort of setup for the team as they move into the actual season and NWSL challenge cup mercifully over uh, now into games that actually count. Coincidentally, the Washington spirit and NWSL schedule was released yesterday morning. Uh, and their first game is actually at uh, Orlando pride. So they're going to be going for some revenge uh, down in Exploria stadium. If you hadn't had a chance to check out the, 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 the release of the schedule, there's, there's a split between Segra and an Audi, which is always known. Uh, but previously, it was believed that we were going to be playing a lot more games at Segra than Audi. Uh, but it appears actually Audi Field has the advantage, I think, by, by two home games. So great for the team. Uh, I think that the fans really do love the Audi Field experience. Um, I think Segra, they're still waiting for uh, water and stuff to be put in. So uh, that's another reason to wait. Uh, but just some real highlights from the game. The defense looked much better uh, going, handling pressure from Gotham. Gotham uh, was a team that was scoring goals for fun. They scored four goals against North Carolina Courage in the previous week. So it was, a, it was really a question of what Washington Spirit was, side was going to show up. And, and it appeared that this, this, no, they were much more calm on the ball. Uh, Emily Sonnet and Sayori uh, Takarada just handled business for the entire time. Uh, there was there were three or four opportunities where there would be a turnover in midfield where uh, Gotham would would you know trouble Aubrey Bledsoe and put the shot on frame, but uh, nothing nothing causing any real real concern or real damage. Uh, so that was a that was a good thing to see coming out of uh, the previous game where the defense looked much creak, much creakier. Um, Andy Sullivan had her best game of preseason, uh, and it was not close. She was fantastic. Uh, coming back from national team duty, she really became part of the offense. She There was a number of times where she would take the ball from midfield and run all the way into the opponent's 18 and get a shot off. Uh, she had a header that she should have scored off of a corner. She was just highly involved all throughout the game. And, and, and you know, we had an opportunity to ask her after the game, you know, is that the game plan? Is that what you want to want to see yourself doing more and more of uh, as the season goes on? And she said, "Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the goal. Uh, the team is set up now to give her that ability and opportunity to go forward uh, and know that she's going to have covered. Dorian Bailey will make sure that the, the the store is minded and the defense will will take care of business." Uh, Takarada also uh, was a was a was a point of interest for me. She came in against Racing Louisville basically right off of the plane uh, from Japanese national team duty, and she did not look very good. She had a number of mistakes with the ball at her feet. Uh, passing was not great. Uh, two or three different turnovers that should have resulted in goals that didn't. Uh, and I was slightly concerned about what is the thought going forward with having her as your starting center back, as one of your starting center backs, uh, with a three-man back line. I was slightly concerned, particularly when you think of the other options that they have: Paige Nielsen, Sam Staub, Emily Sonnet, uh, Kelly O'Hara, more of a wing back. But uh, there, there's certainly options there. And I was concerned about a player uh, that didn't appear to be really confident with the ball at her feet for a style of play that was so dependent on moving that ball out quickly and easily and adeptly out of the back line. And then she played great. <laughs> and then she had a fantastic game for the spirit, uh, really looked at home uh, with partnering with Emily Sonnet, uh, great communication, 
very few mistakes. Uh, it was, it was, it was something that really, I think was, uh, promising for the spirit, uh, regardless of who's available by injury. I think she might, she'll find her way on the field, uh, more often than not. Also wanted to touch on, uh, Kumi Yokoyama had a great game. Uh, Ashley Sanchez had a great second half. Uh, I'm curious if there's a, uh, if those are two players, two great tastes that don't grow great together. Like I, it very, it very much feels like they're two players that are not complementary, that are just sort of offering and bringing, wanting the ball at their feet, wanting to dribble, take on players, uh, and finding that they sort of cramp each other's style. I don't know if Ashley Sanchez is more comfortable in a ten role than she is on the wing. I think that it's you know it's not surprising for a young player to have issues staying fully plugged in for for a full ninety minutes. Um, and I'm finding that at least so far in the Challenge Cup, it's preseason. Who knows? Uh, the the regular season is much longer, and this is her first real opportunity with the Spirit to have a normal professional experience. 2020 was obviously not that. Uh, so this year is her first chance to go week in, week out, grind it out, travel, play at home, know that you got another game coming in the next week. So hopefully, I think that there's, I think there's some sharpness there that will be improved upon by having that that structure around her, uh, which means I think we'll get a lot more performance out of her. Her and Trinity Rodman uh, have formed a good partnership. They, they, they seem to really uh, excel in the, at the end of games when other players potentially are more tired. Trinity Rodman, I, I'm not, I don't have the stat in front of me, but I saw on Twitter today, she is basically top three uh, on most of the offensive t- statistics through the Challenge Cup, aside from goals scored. Uh, XG, uh, passes completed, crosses, duels. She's she's really the truth uh, for, for such a young player who came in with uh, outsized expectations. And I was sort of concerned that there's no way that she could actually meet them because they were so big. Uh, but she did, and she has. <laughs> and it's it's going to be very exciting to see what she does with a full NWSL season and see what kind of, you know, where is she going to play? Where is she most comfortable? And, and how is the team going to take advantage of, of her skill set? Uh, finishing continues to be a problem. The final ball was not there. Uh, there's not a, a great degree of confidence as far as taking shots uh, inside the 18 chances are chances are there crosses are cross dangerous crosses are being made uh but it's just not uh it's not falling for them at the moment i think that this is i think they've got now a few weeks off a couple weeks off uh before the game on may 16th uh, and then it's just on you know may 16th 21st 26th 30th it's a regular season it's like end of PSL regular season so um I, i'm hoping that we start to see a, a bit more uh chances converted rather than just created I'm sure that that's what's keeping Richie Berg up at night, if anything is, uh, is seeing sort of the ball hit the back of the net a bit more frequently. But I think if you're a if you're a Spirit fan, you've got to feel conf, not necessarily confident, but you've got to feel much relieved uh, after that performance against Gotham at home. It's a, it's a side that is not going to concede wildly, uh, and they're going to be exciting to watch. They're dynamic, and they have players that create matchup problems all over the field. They have physical advantage. They have speed advantage. Uh, They're going to be a very exciting team. I don't know if I felt feel as confident as I did before preseason about sort of looking at the roster and saying, this is probably a f- top two, top three team. I'm not sure. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of the sides in the Challenge Cup created uh, a lot of opportunities and looked very strong. Uh, so we'll have to see how things shake out. We've got a whole season to, to do that with. Um, so all that to say, if you're not a Spirit fan, if you're listening to this because you're mostly a DC United fan, I understand. Uh, but please, I would advise you to check it out. They are an exciting side. They've got uh, a lot of home capacity. To, to I think there were 2,300 people there last night. And I think capacity was around 4,500. So tickets are available. It's something you should go check out and see uh, and, and, and start to follow. All right. After all that, 
we have we have Robert Jonas joining us uh, f- to talk about the Quakes, uh, a team that has uh, won one and lost one through two, but also seems to uh, have found their scoring boots where DC United is still trying to uh, thaw their frozen boots out, I guess. I'm not really sure. Something, something, some sort of analogy about how DC United isn't scoring goals yet. Um, so you can make sure to check him out on quakesepicenter.com and at Robert Jonas on Twitter. Uh, but that is going to come up to you right now. So enjoy that interview right now. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RFK Refugees podcast. Ted here. John is here, and we are joined by a very, very uh, special guest. Uh, one of one of my old friends. I feel like I was telling him when he came on, this is going to be like a blast from the past. Uh, one of our San Jose uh, Earthquakes correspondents. He writes for Quakes Epicenter, uh, talking all things San Jose Earthquakes. Robert Jonas. Robert, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. It's uh, always and uh, you know, good to good to reunite. Good to see you again. Uh, so let's uh, let's jump right into uh, let's jump right into your team. Uh, I think you guys won one loss, one win. Uh, I watched uh, I watched bo- I've actually watched both games. I, I feel like I-, I feel very very prepared. Uh, kind of a, a wild uh, wild Houston wild game against Houston. Uh, you guys had the I think the Galazzo one of the Galazzos of the week. You stole it from Brandon Heinzike. I will never not be upset about that. Uh, and then you guys go in uh, to Dallas and get a three one win. So like how how are things like shaping up? I feel like expectations are always difficult for me to judge for like the San Jose earthquakes. Like what, what are expectations for this team this year? Yeah, this is uh, this is year three of the Mateus Almeida uh, experiment, if you will. And um, like a lot of year threes in, in, in a new coaching regime, uh, you know, completely new philosophy brought to, to San Jose and not just at the first team, you know, he's been influential at the academy level as well. Um, the expectations within the organization are pretty high. This team expects to be a playoff team and they really hope they can kind of be up the table. Uh, I don't think they're a, a home team qualifier for that first round, but certainly not a team that's going to have to scrape to the last day to make the playoffs. Um, it's, uh, I think, from the outsider's perspective, that seems pretty bold given the, the Western Conference right now. But, uh, you know, got to give it to them. At least they're uh, kind of saying the right things in that confidence. So let's get started with the player that has captured, I would say, national media attention, has captured the casual fan. Uh, not, not, you know, not least because of his age or his, hair, his extremely Southern California haircut. Uh, <laughs> but I am talking, of course, about Cade Cowell. The uh, I would say the long-term replacement to the uh, Chris Wondolowski era uh, of San Jose. Let's let's talk about let's talk about Cade and sort of what uh, he's had a great start of the season, but sort of where where you see him, uh, you know, panning out this season and, and how the team is sort of building around maybe his strengths up front. Yeah, and uh, for your listeners, he's a seventeen-year-old. He's played at the very uh, kind of early levels of the U.S. national team youth setup. Um, and uh, in fact, is actually eligible for the Mexico national team as well, which is something that a lot of us in San Jose are kind of watching to see uh, how he progresses and who wants to uh, court him a little little heavier than the other. Um, he is uh, he was a kind of an emergency opening day starter. The, the regular forward and Andy Rio set a little bit of a niggling injury, so they put Cade out there and youngest opening day starter the Quakes have ever had, and he looked okay. Uh, this last 
last week against uh, Dallas is when he really shined. I mean, his his passing looked good, his movement looked good. Uh, his shot was not what you would expect a 17-year-old to put when shaking off defenders, uh, a couple of defenders, in fact. Um, within the organization, he and, and Jackson Ewell are the two younger players. And Jackson's you know 23, not exactly a youngster anymore. You know, the two players that they look at as having that you know that background, that ability to to really break through and and, and meet you know, reach a European team, reach a European league. Um, and Cal at only 17 has, you know, got the, the full support of uh, Mateus uh, and, and his coaching staff. They're really kind of nurturing him along, letting him learn, letting him make the mistakes and not punishing him for doing things incorrectly. You know, his first game wasn't all that great, but he still was there in the starting lineup in game two and, and really put in a, a, a fantastic performance. Um, I love watching him. Uh, I saw him in training way back when, when we were actually able to go to trainings. Uh, he's, a, he's a player that listens and learns and has Chris Wondolowski is his sort of main mentor right now and not a bad guy nope. to be teaching you how to shoot. <laughs> um, and, and that's something that, uh, you know, I think it's going to serve him well. You know, he's not a, you know, he, he's got the talent. There's no doubt about that, but uh, he seems very well grounded in, in with that talent. And I think that's something that, uh, you know, is uh, you know, a good, uh, a good word for the young man. So are we saying uh, add him as your everyday starter and MLS fantasy, or maybe pump the brakes somewhat uh, maybe, like you said, emergency starter. Yeah. This is probably not. He's probably not going to be. Will he? Will he, will he be on the field he, this weekend? Yes, I, I fully expect him to be starting this weekend. Uh, and you know, you, you can't really bench the kid nope. after what he did. Uh, he's uh, like I say, he's he's pretty humble to 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 that role. He's not uh, you know sort of you know taking it lightly or taking it for granted. Uh, he spoke to the media today and and was very well composed. Um, I've talked to players for many many years and um you don't know, talk to many 17 year olds and forget they're 17 you know this this is a this is a kid who doesn't uh, kind of play, you know talk his age or even play his age um he's going to be a you know he'll have his chances until he uh, does something the coach feels is not really up to the team's standards uh, he's going to be able to play out there and one thing Mateus allows his players he wants them to try you know, if they make mistakes, great. He'd rather they make mistakes and be cautious. And that's something Cade has not been a cautious player so far. He goes out there and gives it his all. I find it interesting that all the talk around uh, Caldwell, because you guys had another player, uh, and I just looked at his age and I, and, I, and his uh, his. I'm going to call that like a, a mugshot type look in his picture. Uh, Tommy Thompson. I had like a, an age where like I remember his like smiling like young face when he was signed. He I think he got uh, he was not allowed in the stadium, even though he had to try to convince people he was a player. He's a very uh, he's grizzled not- 25 right now in this picture. <laughs> He looks like he's aged. Uh, I guess being under Frank Yallop as a coach will do that to you. Uh, he, he's uh, he looks a very aged twenty uh, five year old in his picture, but uh, he, he sort of has shifted to defender. Uh, I think there was a lot of sort of expectations on him, and I know a lot of the a lot of the MLS soccer media was was, was you know kind of you know thought he could be a really good player. He played a lot of attack, but he seems to almost have found a role. Uh, I guess as sort of a a defensive uh, wingback type player. Uh, what is sort of is he just kind of just evolved into a consummate starter like where where is sort of he uh in this team and his role 
Yeah, a big part of it is uh, having Almeida as his coach. You know, when when Almeida came to town, you know, he wanted to to bring with him a, a pressing style, a, a fast paced style. The 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 wing backs, if you will. That sounds familiar. That sounds very familiar. <laughs> I I'm sure you've got the same thing going on there in, in, uh, with your club, and uh, you know, so and, and Tommy was one of the first to be step forward and say, I want to do that role. I want to be that guy. You know, because he was really struggling to get minutes on the field. No one knew if he was going to be a creative number ten, if he was going to play sort of higher up as a midfielder would he would he be sort of drifting into kind of the triangle midfield that they used under Dom Kinnear um, and so you know when uh, this opportunity to become an outside back uh, arose uh, he, he jumped in he, he 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 knows that you know he's got to find his place on the field if he wants to get minutes and, and Ahmed had trusted him from day one and uh, has allowed him to grow into that role and he's become a pretty dependable starter for the team you know, he's in a position where they had Nick Lima, a player who's now with Austin, who uh, had some national team call-ups and kind of, you know, had a had a pretty, uh, pretty, pretty bright flame there for a season or two. Um, but Tommy stepped right in and, and fulfilled the the role of really, really well. And, and uh, Almeida definitely relies on him uh, to play uh, in that outside back. Did he dislocate his shoulder or pop his shoulder out against Houston? It looked like he did. He he did, yeah, very early in the game, and they and they had to sub him out. He did play against Dallas. He played the the, the complete game against Dallas, and so, uh, you know, maybe the mug shot was taken between those games. Too, I imagine <laughs> a separated shoulder is not going to feel all that great. Um, but he's a very determined player, and that's something that you know he was kind of happy-go-lucky when he signed with the Quakes. You know, I remember his signing ceremony was on the dirt where the stadium was going to be built, and there was some some of the construction was underway already, and so he's really kind of grown up. You know, one of those few players who you know started at and is now playing in their in their new stadium and and kind of uh, you know, people forget you know how long he's been with San Jose. He was their first homegrown signing too, and, and uh, you know, really kind of hanging on and and finding his way in in a way that maybe you know we wouldn't have predicted when he when he first signed. Much more of a a guy people were expecting to be that playmaker. Yeah, I was in Sacramento when he was on loan there, and it was like right in the teeth of Tommy Thompson fever, like the national the national media Tommy Thompson fever. So, uh, yeah, I mean. I'm glad that he's found a position. I'm glad that he has found uh, a sort of a role there. Uh, I want to move. I want to move to your coach. So I'm, I think the the, the national stories often. Uh, this was mentioned on our on our pregame show last week. Talking about this week is that if you were to put together a promotional poster for this game, uh, it would unlikely be many of the players because as far as the national audience is concerned, you know. I'm talking about Cade Cowell to you right now, but unless you're an MLS super fan and if Chris Wondolowski's out on the field, you're 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 maybe looking at the coach. The the coach is a is a is a major player for San Jose and and same story here for DC. Um he had an opportunity they sort of playing footsie with different national teams in South America. Uh what does that look like for this year? How long is he under contract and uh what do the fans think about sort of having a coach that's in uh, as as high demand as as their coach is? Yeah, I mean, it it really caught a lot of us by surprise. Um, I mean, myself very much included when he was announced as the coach. And it really felt like uh, was this some sort of leverage tool? Was he coming to San Jose to force someone else to to pay him what he wanted? Because you know, San Jose is not exactly splashing the cash around on, mm-hmm. on the coaching staff, and he, and he's made that clear. You know, he knows that he's come here for a lower contract, but that he wanted the challenge of the project. And what's been interesting about that is, uh, you know, this is year three, and there are some fruits to his labors i mean for certain uh, against a lot of things you see outside of the first team you know, have his uh, his prints all over them um he has a four-year contract and so you know there's you know definitely expectations that you know he will 
you know, follow through on that, but probably not any further than that. And it already seems like internally they're, you know, they're kind of thinking about what's the post down Meta uh, club going to look like, you know, can they sustain the, 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 the kind of philosophy that he's brought to the team? Um, he could surprise a lot of people. He, he and his family and his coaching staff do, do really like the Bay Area. So you, uh, it's very big and broad, but I mean, people have so many interests around here. You can have your anonymity and uh, he seems to kind of enjoy that in the community. Um, and so, you know, if he's not going to chase a, a big name job in the future then you know maybe he, he kind of signs on for a little bit longer at san jose i think the biggest thing uh, the fans and, and others connected with the club um like about this and, and maybe it's uh you know and it, it seems justifiable as well is you know they feel that all right you know the the, the ownership went out and and, and you know Got Mateus Almeida, you know champions league uh, concacaf champions league winning coach um and um you know there's expectations around that too. You know, they don't want to waste this opportunity that you know Mateus is, is uh, you know, is sends offering by being here, and therefore, you know, if uh, if after four years they've got nothing to show for it, it's going to be uh, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting uh, kind of a uh, sort of an after effect to see what uh, what comes out of that. Um, I'm hopeful that you know at the very least that the the overtures and he talks about it too that are just that. You know, he he has to entertain them. He can't ignore them. His agent's going to talk to people all the time, but he seems very committed to the San Jose project for this year and next and next year. Uh, just as a, as a similarly situated budget team and sort of uh, as DC United, I think I think we ha- we share a lot of similarities uh, as far as you know a new st- new stadium being being built to to make up for a, a bad situation. Uh, you know some some rare splashes in the international market, but in general, a team is that is not putting a lot of money forward. What is the pressure like on ownership from the fan base, and what what is the, What is the general sort of viewpoint of 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 the ownership of the team from sort of? It's a hard it's hard to quantify an entire fan base's perspective. I could do it for DC United, but that's only because I'm extremely online and I am <laughs> I'm I'm yeah. tied very into the Twitter the Twitter uh, the, uh, heartbeat of DC United. But what is what does the fan base think of ownership and sort of the direction of the team and and uh, you know where it is in the MLS sort of superstructure in the hierarchy. Yeah, it's uh, it, it seems very clear that uh, you know, John Fisher, the principal owner of the team, who also owns the Oakland A's and has proven in, in with the baseball club that he's going to run things on a shoestring. This is the you know the the famous Billy Bean style of uh, play. In fact, Billy's still there doing his thing. So you've got you know that kind of philosophy, you know, from from day one when this team came back in two thousand and eight. Um, he has loosened the purse strings in a kind of a broader way that I think again doesn't show always in the first team, but, but does show in some of the facilities and the support uh, on the analytics side, on the, the health side, um, you know, ways to look after players. I mean, one thing the Quakes did and spent money on was, you know, ways to keep guys healthy because, you know, an, an unhealthy player is costing you money, but a healthy player is one who can take the field. And for a team that's not interested in signing higher price designated players or, or name players, that's something that Teos has even said again and again, you know, they need to get that value. Um, they need those parts to work. Um, what's really interesting about it is uh, the ownership has at least made some concessions on spending to, to get material guys that he wants um 
you know, there's a kind of a history of, of signings having some sort of background to Almeida. In fact, anytime there's a rumor, we all run on Wikipedia to see if he played for a, <laughs> a team that Mateus coached in the past, because that might be a good sign the rumor is true. Um, the, these are guys that are coming in on TAM contracts or really cheap DP contracts. They're on loans from clubs. You know, there's agreements to kind of keep things at a, at a lower wage level. Um, and that's, you know, that you know, is reflected in a team that doesn't have names you're going to remember. I mean, you know, other than uh, Chris Wondolowski because of his longevity and fame, you know, there are very few players on the Quakes that, that register you right in the national consciousness. Now, the issue with that in locally is that's also true. I mean, there's very little, you know, uh, you know, star power to attract Bay Area audiences beyond those who enjoy soccer and want to watch San Jose soccer on a, on a weekend basis. So that's where I think the ownership really does fail. And there's a segment of folks that are sort of in that uh, kind of blase feeling of like, well, that's what we got and that's what we're stuck with. So they, they kind of take it for what it is and hope hope to be entertained and, and maybe sneak into a playoff spot every year. But uh, there doesn't seem to be much else out of the, the fans other than those in the rabid section, who of course would love to see this team win and lift MLS Cup. That feels uh, that feels pretty remote to you would have to take a, a, a quite quite a, a spectacular uh, effort if they if they could do such a thing. So not a trophy winning team, but maybe a team that uh, at least you're you're kind of enjoying watching play on the weekend. Anything anything is possible, still possible in MLS. Let me let me tell you. Let me tell yes. you. Robert, it sounds like us again. This is I feel like we're I feel like we're East West Coast like mirror twins based on so many things. <laughs> I think, and, and I and I do think you know your, your situation, especially bringing in a new coach, you know, very similar sort of you know kind of message around that. Um, you know, maybe maybe uh, you know DC will see the kind of the same progression off the field. Hopefully, uh, I'm sure they're looking for that as well. So it's uh, you know it's it's a tricky league. You're, you know, San Jose is not LAFC. It's not the Galaxy. It doesn't pr- profess to be. And you know they try to you know try to be this sort of under the radar type of team out here on the West Coast. Speaking of some of the players that that have sort of come from from previous teams that Almeida coached, uh, Avier Lopez, you guys signed this year. You're, you talked about sort of a lower cost designated player. Uh, what have you sort of seen from him this season? What are I mean, are expectations on him to kind of like direct that midfield, um, or uh, is there a sort of is the team looking elsewhere? He he's the guy right now. He's uh, just 26. He plays uh, played with Chivas Guadalajara for for most of his career and had his moments. Uh, but one of those guys who didn't really establish himself down at Liga MX. And I think uh, you know the the Quakes saw him as a, a, a player that you know needed a fresh opportunity, needed a clean slate. You know there were some issues potentially with uh, uh, off field behavior down there. I can't really say much more than that. But you know it was he was not uh, you know in a good situation in Almeida. You know. And the Quakes, you know, came in and said, "We can give you a place to play. You know, you can be our starter. You're going to be essentially our number ten. And uh, you know, he's taken it. Um, I would say that uh, I haven't been impressed lately, or impressed yet, but I've only seen two games so far. Um, it may take him a little while to get uh, kind of used to uh, to the style of play. Um, but uh, you know, for a big signing, for 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 lack of a better term, not a uh, not a groundbreaking signing or not a not an earth shattering signing, but, you know, a guy that you know, is going to get minutes. And that's, I think, what Mateus was hoping for. And if he can spark him to some of that, you know, glory he showed as a youth player, then, you know, that will uh, that'll have made it worth it. But a, a low price DP, uh, more or less on loan from Chivas. Uh, and that, uh, again, makes it a kind of a, a, a low risk experiment. Speaking of players that that has certainly been a a, a solid uh, and certainly has been sort of really the face of this club for for several years, we got to talk. We got to talk about Chris Wondolowski. Uh I, I don't think when he 
he envisioned he would come back this season. I don't think he envisioned he would start the first game by missing a uh, a wide open goal and the second game uh, coming in as a sub and getting uh, sent off. Uh, but that does mean we might get another epic moment in the crowd. Uh, so how hard do you think he's going to go in the crowd of this game? We would talk about what, what he could bring to this team, uh, but you know, we, we, we could, you, could, you can touch on that a little bit. Uh, but I think how hard is he going to go in, in, in the uh, in the ultra section uh, for the DC game? <laughs> to sort of to sort of try to write the ship a bit <laughs> yeah it's so 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 wando's only had one other red uh, red card in his career and it was uh at, at atlanta he was actually not on the field at the time he got uh, got busted for 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 using some salty language at the referees um this is the first time he's ever had a red card on the field you know and uh he he looked uh shocked like he you know, this, and that's not a Chris Wondolowski kind of thing. He's not out there being overly aggressive and, and dirty in any way whatsoever. Um, I know fans are looking for, they want to see him out there. Uh, Chris has said, you know, year after year after year, if uh, if this soccer thing didn't work out, that, you know, he'd be right in there with the ultras cheering this team on. In fact, he even early on, he thought that that was probably his fate, that it wouldn't be uh, becoming MLS's all-time goal-scoring leader. That seems secondary. Um, and so, you know, this is almost a kind of a golden opportunity. He doesn't have to come off the bench to, to, to be in the crowd he can start there from minute one and uh, i think a lot of eyes will be looking over there to see uh, just what chris has to to offer because uh he's a big cheerleader for this team on and off the field and training he's looking after guys and this is you know no different he gets to get out there and wave the shirt and 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 uh, really give it a, a good game face for all so i'm hoping he i hope he does i really do hope he uh, repeats his uh, his epic uh, ultras performance <laughs> hopefully not too much hopefully hopefully uh hopefully not too many goal <laughs> celebrations hopefully we have more i'm just saying yeah, no. we're well, speaking of that and something that i'm not anticipating let's talk about this let's talk about this game coming up this weekend so uh i'm not sure if you had a chance to watch too much of dc's uh game against new england i hope not because we have to watch it I, I would not call that a great game for a neutral uh dc is very much in the figuring it out all still mode also with uh almost what's the what's the percentage here more than 30% of their team injured at the moment and unavailable of signed players, I believe is the correct number. Uh, that's, so that's not good. That's not really good for, for, for DC United. Uh, what, how, uh, how's San Jose looking coming into this team, this walking wounded, uh, new, <laughs> new formation, new coach team coming into your, <laughs> coming into your stadium this weekend? How confident are you yeah. feeling and how, how does, how San Jose match up with that, uh, murderer's row of details I just gave you? Now it's it's interesting, uh, you know. One of the messages uh, we get from uh, from the coach and even some of the players, and I think it's it, it's true this year. There was a long break uh, between the end of last season and the beginning of this season. Preseason was sort of done in an abbreviated way, and for the Quakes, they didn't really have a, a, a strong or even a you know, much of a semblance of a preseason schedule. They played. Uh, um, a couple of teams. They played Sacramento and Oakland, a couple of USL teams, but they never faced MLS competition. You know, they never really got to stretch their legs in a way. And Almeida has kind of looked at these first five games of the season as really the preseason. He's playing guys to see where they're fitting in. Um, so in that sense, you know, maybe, uh, you know, they're uh, going to be looking at this not as a, a training exercise, but I certainly do feel that, you know, they're looking to get their feet under them. So uh, a DC team that's uh, not exactly at full strength is probably very appealing to the coaches. And uh, I do know that they're hoping to, to keep that momentum from last week. You know, the, the players that we have had the opportunity to talk to this week are, uh, you know, kind of wish the game came even sooner. You know, they, they really kind of came off that Dallas game feeling good about themselves. And so, you know, if they uh, kind of keep that 
momentum, that positive momentum, this could be a, a pretty strong result. Chris Wondolowski lost me $45 not scoring that, that gimme against uh, Houston. So <laughs> I have a, I have an ax to grind. It gave me, it gave me, it gave me horrible. Uh, I was actually more mad about the money than the sort of like the flashbacks it gave me. So that was, that was, that was the big thing. I was like, Oh, Chris Wondolowski. So was, I'm glad that he can't score and then hurt, hurt me this weekend. So he, he's, he's an inert factor for this game. There we go. Yeah, no, I, I uh, you know, we, 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 know he's missed some shots in the past. So then we went on to three. Nope. Three I'm not, so I've left it. I left it be. I was more, yeah. I was more mad about losing that, that three team parlay. Justifiably, justifiably. I think we all kind of threw our hands in the air. Like did the defender get that one? And then you see the replay and you're like, Nope, that's just a really bad miss. I assumed, I assumed the defender kicked it away when I was like, Oh, there's no, Oh no. Oh no. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, so I, I feel like coming into this game, we, we have been we have been promised by by uh, by Losada that we are going to see uh, crazy five four crazy results, and I feel like this might be the best candidate considering how Ameda plays and in how uh, Losada wants us wants us to play all the injuries and everything like that. Uh, so I'm going pretty high, but where, where do you where do you land on this game, Jonas? As far as a, as far as the score prediction goes. Yeah, I'm with you. I think if there's a, a reasonable over, you should be taking it because you know this is uh, this is a quick team. Like I say, they're trying to find their feet, and so they're not really playing uh, defensively. They're not sort of settling in and trying to kind of build from that. They're kind of like, all right, let's just go out there, play our game. If we make mistakes, we make mistakes, and that means you know they're going to have opportunities to score, and the opponents are going to have opportunities to score. Uh, Dallas was. Uh, or the Quakes, I should say, were very fortunate not, not to give a couple goals up to Dallas in the first couple of minutes of the game yeah. last weekend, just based on some really poor play out of the back. But, you know, they played through it and they just kept kept their game plan going and, and things started to turn their way, you know. So very easily, uh, you know, if uh, guys just go out there with a bit of that abandon and, and, and uh, you know, this, this could be a real fun one. So I hate doing that because I just probably gave us a scoreless tie as a, as a result <laughs> of making that prediction. But uh, <laughs> my gut feeling is we're, we're going to see we're going to see the back of the net get punched a few times. You got a number. You got a number in mind. You want a number? I, I would say uh, if if you can get a uh, if you can get an over. I don't know what the over under is on this one, but uh, I would say five. I see this Quake scheme team scoring at least three goals this weekend. Wow. I also see them conceding a few. So just the way they're set up. <laughs> so you're going three two is what I'm going to say. I, I know I know it's been a while since you've done around the league. But you know, come on, you gotta gotta be up on the prediction game. Um, the only I thing missing that. is Scott Bornstein in my ear right now. So, the- <laughs> <laughs> T- telling you lies, lies. Oh, <laughs> over three and a half is plus one seventy right now, and interesting. Okay, over four okay. and a half is four plus four ten. Mm, all right, I might sign up for the four and a half. But all right, we'll see if I'm uh, see if I'm uh, feeling good on uh, on Saturday night for that. Ted, one. let's include let's include our thoughts in this segment here. What do you what do you what's your what are your numbers? Have you have you thought about it at all? I can go first if you haven't. I have I've given it some thoughts. I am I am going to hope for hope for a draw on some of these road games. I'm going to probably go on the win side on home games, considering this is also this is Lasada's first cross country tour, so he's getting a, he's getting a, a experience in in that. It's not like you know uh, bumming around Belgium uh, during the season. So I'm I'm thinking this is going to be like a, a three three. Uh, goal fest, wild goal fest. That's what I want to see. All right. Well, I, I am doing. I am doing the wizard pulling. Uh, I'm not necessarily a wizard, but I am pulling a number out of a hat, and I put a, a, a specific score bet, which is which is madness, mm. which is madness. But I have I have San Jose two, DC United zero at plus a thousand. 
I have, for whatever reason, a real strong vibe that that's going to be the end result. Mm. I don't want it to be, but because I put money on it, that's going to be my official prediction. So 2 nothing loss for DC United is how I see this going. Well, so hopefully I'm wrong. I'd prefer you guys is right. I'd prefer a goal. I'd prefer a goal fest, but uh, our our offense is not exactly clicking at the moment, and uh, nor are we nor are we uh, heavy on on players off the bench to make it to make a change in the game. So we'll see. Let's hope. Let's hope for at least exciting. <laughs> well, All right, Robert. Thank. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna. Sorry. I was just gonna once again ask Robert to uh, to to plug where we can find him, and and uh, so it's Quake Quakesepicenter.com. Uh, they've got a Patreon. They've got a they've got a podcast. They've got uh, articles. Uh, so, so sort of like sort of like us. So uh, if you want to, if you're into Quake stuff, you know, not a lot of generally DC United Quakes crossover. There's some. I know a couple people on Twitter that are in fact both fans. I've been to the former Avaya, I think three or four times, and I love it. It's a great place to see a game. Uh, but uh, yep. but check Quake's Epicenter out. And Robert, what's, what's your name on Twitter if people want to find you there? Yep, so at Robert Jonas, all one word. And uh, I'll be posting the occasional updates when I can. And um, yeah, just uh, we'll, uh, we'll also at Quake's Epicenter have uh, some post-game show, post-game reactions. If anyone wants to kind of see things on the Quake's perspective, we always do a post-game video show. Very late on um, very late in the night uh, on our on, on our side. <laughs> that is true. That is true. We're debating we're debating the DCU after dark uh, post game show for us. So we'll we'll see the post game Instagram. I guess is what we do. So we'll, we'll Ted will see be riding we... solo on that at one a.m. as I am in bed. But whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Robert, thank you so so much for joining us, and uh, we will. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I we'll see what the season lines up as far as East West Coast. But uh, we'd love to have you back on to to talk Quates when 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 these two teams these two original 96 teams uh line up again will be a lot of fun and absolutely would love to be there all right thank you so much to robert jonas for joining the show uh guys uh we are going to be back on monday to do our uh, normal traditional monday live show traditional monday traditional show monday traditional monday show to talk about this game talk about all things dc soccer check that out uh and thank you all so so much for listening and we will see you on uh, monday or instagram live for uh pregame stuff so check pregame postgame we'll see check it out thanks so much and vamos, vamos.